Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. Welcome to a special Highways Voices today as we chat to a range of people about some of the issues around transport technology as we speak to delegates at the Transport Technology Forum Annual Conference. I'm Paul Hutton and this podcast is being published on a Wednesday as normal while I'm actually taking a few days away. Hence it being slightly different because, and I'm going to be honest here, I'm actually producing this last Friday as you listen to it so I can't add in Adrian's normal bits this week or our partner news but we'll be back as normal next Wednesday. So over the next half hour or so we'll hear from a range of public and private sector people who are in Leeds and we'll start with my friend Andy Graham. Now Andy and I have known each other for more than 20 years since we worked together on delivering the first live traffic service integrated into a car's sat nav. Now that may seem normal now but it really was cutting edge at the time. He runs the Spatula Working Group looking at connected vehicles and it's highlighted a huge amount of great work which was showed off at the event, such as in-vehicle signage and how a local authority has used private sector data to quantify the congestion reduction benefits of signal improvements delivered thanks to Special Department for Transport funding. Now, you'll read all about that on the Highways News website, but in our chat, I started by asking him how the group keeps across everything. Well, we've got a good set of emails and a good set of uh, people who who exchange ideas. LinkedIn is very good for showing what's going on and you yourself are very good at promoting those ideas. I think in terms of inputs, because we've got people in working in so many different areas, be it from parking and we work closely with Sarah's parking group and hopefully through to the new TRO group. Um, When it comes to connected vehicles, some of the stuff that you're showing off is terrific, the in-vehicle signage, for example. The difficulty, I guess, when you look at in-vehicle signage is thinking, well, I can see that the technology works, but how do I get mass adoption? And in your very long career within ITS, how have you managed to uh, turn great ideas and see them into actual mass use? Well, I worked on the first sat-navs, as you remember, for many years ago, and now everyone's got something in their phone or in the vehicle. thing is to make it very easy to use, very simple to use, but also you don't want a whole raft of apps like we've got for parking. What you want is one app that helps you with parking, it helps you with in-vehicle signing, helps you with glosser, helps you with alerting for uh, stop vehicles ahead, helps you with e-call, all those kind of things. And that's one of the things I'm working on is to try and make one single user experience. And you've worked a lot with uh, automotive uh, manufacturers through the years as well. How do we get the OEMs to actually embrace this technology and put it into the car, in the head unit, so when you pick it up, it's there? Well, the luck has have it, they're already doing that. So people like Volvo and Polestar are using Android Automotive, where you would download the app, not to your phone, but to your car. Therefore, all the things we're working on, you just download into your car as it is, Most other vehicles for the last few years you'll have had Android Automotive or Apple CarPlay where you plug your phone in, generally because the sat-nav on your phone is much better than the one you bought in the vehicle 
and we can now work and overlay messages on top of the sat-nav. So the last thing you ever want is to take someone's sat-nav away. What we're doing is the equivalent of sticking a post-it note on top of your sat-nav with some useful information. You and I are always keen to try out the new gizmos. Average person in the street, as you say, the, the time it took to take up sat-nav was many years and it needs the patience to it. But let's point to one concrete example of something in car that's been in car for many years, eCall. The actual knowledge of and use of eCall by the average driving punter is still depressingly low, even though it's a great piece of technology that now every new car and van has got. What can we do to change this? What as an industry should we be doing? So, so there's two things. Firstly, wider awareness with public and national highways are doing a really good job of that and raising it as, as one of the tools in their smart motorway toolkit. You know, you break down, you press the button, you report another vehicle that you see. But we need the vehicle industry, we need the car salespeople, we need the uh, vehicle retailers, we need the vehicle journalists to refer to this and also not to be afraid of saying that people who buy cars might one day need to use a button because we've had lots of evidence, you and I, of people being told not to use it because it'll ring the police. People have paid for it in the buying of the vehicle or leasing the vehicle, they've paid for the tech, why don't they want to use it? And let's be honest, if we can't use this very simple bit of data that's been mandated for the last five years in the UK, what hope have we got for really high-level automated vehicles? Andy Graham with a warning about making the most of technology there. And sticking with connectivity, let's now catch up with one of the speakers, cybersecurity expert Dr Liz James. And I asked her whether what she had heard at the conference gave her confidence that the industry is taking the issues of cybersecurity seriously enough. As a cybersecurity professional, I'd say you can never take security um, seriously enough. I would say my observation from the two days is that people are more focused on privacy and people's individual data, which is good, but security is a lot more than just privacy. It comes around, it's a the precursor to safety, which I don't think has been mentioned as much as I would like to see. And it's also the precursor towards resiliency, which as we go towards more complicated, critical and national level systems, we need more resiliency than we do necessarily anything else and it's all about that interchange which I don't think is quite matured yet. We're still thinking about it as very small insular systems rather than at a higher level where the security really comes into play. What are the risks for a medium-sized highways authority? I mean are they are they really going to be targeted? Are they really at risk? So if we look to a specific use case actually mentioned in the manual for smart streets are the electric vehicle chargers. We currently consider petrol stations part of the national infrastructure and fuel rationing can often be enforced by the police, potentially even military in worst case scenarios. Electric vehicle charging infrastructure, something local authorities are responsible for managing and handling the risk, are going to replace that very quickly, especially with the timeline the government is setting out. So is it a, religious, a realistic target? Absolutely. Threat actors could easily target the single supplier I mean, yeah, there's a question around, do you have multiple suppliers or a single supplier for your charge points? If a vulnerability is discovered, you could scale up the attacks much more effectively than you could against the petrol station because those are insular by design. So what should a local authority be doing to really make sure that they're doing all they can about cybersecurity? Oh, so I'm gonna go back to the manual for smart streets and say that asking, just asking questions, is a really powerful tool 
even if you don't necessarily know what the answer, a good answer should be. I mean, as a consultant, I regularly ask questions knowing the answer, but sometimes just bringing the conversation to the forefront and being open with your system integrators or with your potential suppliers and say, well, okay, what are the security controls in place? How are we going to resist a third party or advanced persistent threat? What happens if there's ransomware? Things that we're increasingly seeing in our public consciousness, but often, well, we potentially get left out of conversations because we assume it's someone else's responsibility. So everyone should take responsibility and that will help fix or at least begin to address the questions. That then we'll realize where the skill gap really is. I mean, I recently supported writing a paper uh, looking at the skills gap in transport, and we, we've flagged the cross-modal skills, security being one of the cross-modal skills. If you're working in rail and looking at security and you're working in automotive or maritime, the fundamental principles are the same. Yeah, the technologies are different and the legacy is different, but the skills themselves. So everyone needs to take ownership, ask the right, or ask any question. I mean, there's no such thing as a wrong question when it comes to security. And from that, we then need to start building and investing in the skills at the very early ages. Dr. James mentioned the Manual for Smart Streets there, which was launched at the TTF conference. And you can find a link to the online resource on the Highways News website and in the blurb with this podcast. It contains advice and a series of case studies to help local authorities deliver smarter solutions. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Almost 250 people from across central government, local authorities and the private sector attended the TTF conference in Leeds, which was sponsored by Clearview Intelligence and supported by 24 organisations who exhibited. Clearview's head of technical sales, Pete Cattell, urged local authorities to factor in technology from the design stage of their transport policy, and he expanded on that theme when I chatted to him. We kind of feel like, as an SME, we're almost like the wagging tail of the dog. These policies and the, the legislation hits the marketplace and drives certain ways of working and we have to try to respond to that. But we can respond to that a lot better if we're involved early on. If we get involved, you know, when, when this is just somebody's, somebody's idea on the back of, a, you know, back of a napkin, we can help them make sure that whatever designs are put, to, put together actually take into account the benefits that we can deliver. Whether that's the benefits of making the installation easier or whether it's just using some innovation that we can put in there that means they don't need that box and that box and that box. We can kind of make sure that the whole process is as streamlined as possible. One of my frustrations as a journalist writing about technology coming into transport is that I see a great pilot project in City A but another city that's very similar that could do with that technology, A, might not know about it, B, might not realise it fits their city, and C, even if they want it, they haven't got the funding to be able to actually implement it. How are we going to make it that if there's a really good solution, we can quickly get it in everywhere in the country that needs it? I I think that is an ongoing challenge. I think um, events like this actually help because it enables us to kind of bring certain schemes and, and things that we've done to the industry's attention so at least it starts that dialogue we have been working with some of the local authorities and they're trying to almost like 
package up the solution that we delivered for them so that we can actually deploy it somewhere else. So kind of make it neutral as to where you deploy it. So we are trying to work on how can we streamline that whole kind of design and implementation process just to remove the cost, actually remove the friction just to make it easier to do these things. I worked with a company a few years ago that was trying to sell a software product into local authorities, but the problem that they found was that whilst it had a road safety benefit and an environmental benefit, they couldn't get the road safety and the environmental person into the room at the same time to both put some money in. And reading up about Clearview's products, you've got your solar light product that A is road safety and B means you can turn street lights off so it's got an environmental benefit. Are you finding a similar thing that you can't necessarily tap into both budgets that therefore make it really cost effective? That, that is an issue. Um, these, these budgets are often siloed and unless you can actually get all of the stakeholders involved and get them to realise that mutual benefit, it is always going to be an ongoing challenge, I think. Also, I mean, talking to some of the, some of the people from the local authorities here, a lot of them actually have huge budgets but have no resources. They have more money than they know what to do with, frankly, but they just don't have any resources to even decide what project they want to do and if they do decide what they want to do how are they going to design it how are they going to deliver it they just don't have the resources they're working very much hand-to-mouth and that's a real challenge because there's a skill shortage in the industry they're trying to recruit people but they can't get them because everybody's trying to recruit them so there's some significant challenges there that have to be addressed and what's your recommendation to the industry to actually try and solve some of these things get the potential suppliers involved as early as possible we can help deploy things better we can do it more cost-effectively and we can do it more reliably. Just early involvement, I would say, is the, is the key to, to helping us unlock some of these benefits. You're listening to Highways Voices with a whistle-stop tour of some participants at the Transport Technology Forum conference in Leeds last week. And during the event, delegates heard a lot about international collaboration, with the latest on the streetwise partnership between England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland and the Irish Republic, and also from Ertico, ITS Europe. Here's that organisation senior officer for partnerships, Anya Vaita-Kanate. I would say it's a crucial and a very important partnership, a collaboration plan which is based on mutual benefits and advantages that we can bring to each other as two organizations. So as Ertico, we collaborate with the public authorities and private industry players in mobility across the EMEA region and we're very happy to bring this knowledge and thought leadership to the Transport Technology Forum and above all that, we're very excited to have the input and the knowledge and advocacy from the Transport Technology Forum in terms of how public authorities, how well they cooperate um, with each other across the United Kingdom. Because the United Kingdom is a great example of the country, of the kingdom, which is made of England, Wales, uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland. And this is an amazing example how well transportation system works in the country. Therefore, we're very happy to have this great thought leadership from the TTF that comes to Ertico. You talk about how we've got four countries in one here in the UK. Ertico do a lot of projects which are cross-border across Europe. How similar and how different are transport challenges in different countries and how much does collaboration between us help solve those challenges? So one of the initiatives that Ertico has currently is the City Moonshot initiative. We aim to interview 300 cities worldwide, not just across Europe, in terms of smart mobility, data sharing, green mobility and where the world is going in terms of that. And we see that um, 
the challenges that smart mobility is facing across Europe varies a lot in different countries and the same is in the UK. Therefore, it's very important to bring public authorities and private industry players to create strong collaborations to really work towards making mobility more sustainable, more efficient and smarter. And we're looking forward to the next big event being the ITS European Congress in Lisbon. TTF's uh, got the, a stand, the UK pavilion stand that TTF and Elkrig are leading. Uh, what can we look forward to in Lisbon? A lot of things actually. Lisbon will be a great place uh, for networking, for expanding your thought leadership and knowledge in ITS. So what is happening in the whole region, in Europe, in the EMEA region, and the collaboration plan between Ertico ITS Europe and the Transport Technology Forum will be signed in the ITS European Congress in Lisbon. Therefore, we are very much looking forward to it. Highways Voices, in association with partner organizations, the Transport Technology Forum, ITS UK, Elkrig, and Adept. This is Highways Voices from Highways News. Now, don't forget, we're the only place you need to go for everything you need to know when it comes to highways and transport technology news. Anyway, we've got a constant feed of stories on LinkedIn and Twitter and our unique daily email with all the news straight to your inbox every lunchtime. Sign up at highways-news.com slash subscribe. Now, the TTF exists to link national government, local authorities and suppliers to better deliver transport through technology. So let's finish by chatting to a couple of local authorities. In a moment we'll hear from Staffordshire, but first here's Matthew Shelton from Transport for West Midlands, who's the authorities' services and technologies lead. And I suggested to him that working for one of the major combined transport bodies means people look to him at these events for inspiration. Yeah, it, it can feel like that sometimes, but also it's, it's really enlightening to see that some smaller authorities are doing some really progressive stuff as well and can inform us. So, so I feel like it's a bit of give and take there, but yeah, I, I think mainly people are looking to us because we're such a big region and we, and we get the chance to do large scale projects. And while we're in a room like this and we're talking for two days about using technology to improve transport, we can get quite excited about the ideas of the latest technology that can be introduced but in the real world how easy is it when there's so much pressure on budgets and so much expectation to fill in potholes and to make sure signals are repaired that new technology can actually get invested in it's a fine balance and i think one of the key things that we we look at is what is the solution that's actually being provided rather than just introducing technology for technology's sake. So we have to actually provide value for money rather than just gimmicks. At an event like the TTF, what do you get out of two days out of the office here, listening to presentations, listening to other people and then chatting to people during breaks? Well, what we find out is outside of our bubble of the West Midlands, uh, all the exciting projects which are going on around the country and also some of the really innovative stuff being done by some of the SMEs gives us a chance to meet them and have a chat with them and possibly further down the line uh, we can work with them as well. And fingers crossed, uh, at the moment we're at an event with 250 people, it could be that you'll be hosting an ITS World Congress with 50 times that many people in uh, four years time in 2027. That's right, 2027, yeah, uh, that we have put a bid in for the World Congress and, and fingers crossed. 
we could bring it home. And fingers crossed for 2027. Now, finally, let's hear from a county council joined to TFWM's patch. Staffordshire principal ITS engineer Emily Madsen is someone I've known for several years now and is always one to embrace new technology when she can. Although I have to admit there was a hint of frustration in her voice when I asked her what she was doing technology-wise. Not a lot at the moment. Um, we've, we've just done a live labs project. Well, it was last year and the year before and the first round of live labs. We work with Now Wireless. We had an air quality issue in the centre of Newcastle and we gated traffic out of the town to reduce the pollution levels in town. So while you're here, how much are you learning about new possibilities that you could use in your day-to-day job? Yeah, there's lots of things coming up. It's exciting, isn't it, the future of technology and, and data. There's lots lots to think about for an authority. It's just prioritising what, what we can do, what will work best for Staffordshire. See, that's actually an interesting thing. It, I figure if I were in your shoes, I might be really quite frustrated at times because... Actually, there's so much great stuff being produced by the industry when it comes to transport technology, but the budget or the implementation or the priorities or simply the time to stop doing the day job to look to the future must be very difficult. So how do you balance the two? Yeah, it's a really big balance for us. Resources a huge thing and budget as you've just said and how do we balance it we just have to prioritize everything so i mean my main priority at the moment is is uh, we've got a massive maintenance backlog on our halogen stuff so i'm just focusing on that at the moment and then after that then we can look at all this interesting stuff and it is all just about prioritizing stuff and so what would your advice be to uh, an SME, say, that's got a fantastic new gizmo that could make transport work so much more efficiently in Staffordshire? How would they frame it to you that would allow you to get the funding and the buy-in to actually implement it? What are you looking for to make your job easier to get these things implemented? If an SME come to me at the moment, I'd just turn them away unfortunately because I haven't got that time. Hopefully that will improve over the coming years. So I would just say just keep on trying, keep on pestering us and keep us updated with what you're doing. I'm always interested to know what new technologies are coming out. Might not be able to do it at that time, but I might do in the future. So the message there to suppliers is don't give up. That's it for this Highways Voices. I'll be back for a normal episode next week with Adrian, where we'll look towards another event, the ITS European Congress in Lisbon, with experts from across the continent. Chat then. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 